we had a collaboration with some Chinese com uh, Chinese uh, scientists. Here we have a vaccine. What is the problem? Get over it. We know that the people who are dying from this from this uh, disease. Seriously, I'm, I'm making a serious point. I don't know what half of them are protesting against. You've still got Fauci walking around free. The man should be in irons in the darkest pit. As much as he touts that he cares about it, he doesn't. This is our revolution. It's not theirs. Don't let them take it from you. Don't let them convince you that it's their revolution when in fact it's not. It's ours. And we will have it. It is Thursday, the 6th day of January, the year of our Lord, 2022. <laughs> it's going to take me a while to get used to that. I am Johnny Anderson alongside Bruce Adams. Bruce, how are you doing today? Uh, I'm healthy and alive as usual, but uh, then realizing that, um, you know, the, the first week of this new year is almost over already. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, it, it's... Mm -hmm. It's gone by super fast. I mean, yeah, the first time month will seems be to be accelerating. You know. Yeah, it'll be over before yeah. you know. Well, time flies when you're having fun, right? We're having fun. Are we having fun yet? Yeah. I think we're having yeah. fun. Loads of fun in the middle of the apocalypse. Yeah. It's great. Uh-huh. Yes, of course we are. Um, Bruce, are you still a citizen of America? <laughs> For the time being, yes. For the time being. I'm still a citizen of America. I mean, uh, unless something has changed... I don't think anything has changed. Uh, Br Bruce, you see clearly here, this is this is a, a United States of America passport, yeah. is it not? Yeah. And and yeah. you can clearly see, we've done this before, but you can clearly see that this is me. Yes? Yeah. Th this yeah. is me. And this is a verified thing. Mm -hmm. You see a little holographic image and everything on it? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And all the things? Yeah. yeah, okay. So I'm still a citizen of America. However, if you are French today and you are unvaccinated, you are not to be considered a French citizen any longer. That is a new twist in this entire mess, isn't it? French President Emmanuel Macron has considered the unvaccinated no longer citizens. This came out last night after we went off. He, he jumped out and said this. I could not believe that. As if it couldn't get any more insane and over the top, the French president, who nobody's seen in months... Nobody's seen in months from all of this, this this COVID rollout and the passport rollout and the, the talk of mandatory jabs and everything in France, the massive protests in France. Nobody has seen him. The French people over the summer, they actually stormed one of the government buildings, tore his photo down off the wall and tore it into shreds and threw it out from the second story. Shouldn't he be out there? saying something to the people that he's angry? Shouldn't he be saying something? The French are building, his citizens are building guillotines in Paris, out in front of the government buildings with a smile on their faces. And what is he doing? He leaves the country. He's out on Bora Bora getting flower necklaces hung around his neck. Then he has the audacity to come out yesterday, last night, and say, if you're unvaccinated, you're no longer a citizen. What? <laughs> what? Are you kidding me? He has declared the remaining, quote, 5 million. I think it's a whole hell of a lot more than 5 million. I think you're missing a zero behind that or two. Uh, five, well, I, you can't be two, yeah, but uh, unvac uh, 5 million unvaccinated Frenchmen are no longer citizens. While increasing his rhetoric against citizens who make medical choices for themselves, he said he wants to, quote, piss them off. That's his words. That's his words. I'm going to actually, I'm going to read the quote what he said last night. He said the remaining of five million citizens that are unvaccinated are non-citizens. And he says, I really want to piss them off. And so we will continue to do so. 
to the bitter end. That's the strategy. What did we tell you? What did we tell you? Klaus Schwab and company, the banker boys and all the rest of them, these, these corporate finance heads and everything else, these hedge fund guys, they are all in. They're all in to the end. They will take it to the end. What are you willing to do? You, the average citizen, what are you willing to do? They're putting you out of work. They're taking your livelihood. They're telling you that you can't uh, you can't go to work. You can't have a job. You can't provide for your family. Are you willing to take it as far as they want to take it? That's the question. Macron is telegraphing for the elite. Who do you think he works for? You think he works for the French people? Clearly not. Clearly not. His own cabinet, his own parliament has denounced everything he said. And every, everyone from uh, Marie Le Pen, who's supposedly on the far right, I quite frankly, if you look at what everything, if, if you look at French, uh, uh, whatever you want to call it, uh, nationalism or whatever, that's that's actually on the left by American standards. That's on the left by French standards. Fine. She's on the right. The Front National, they are on the right. Fine. By French standards. But by American standards, from where I sit, there's too much socialism to be considered to be on the right, in my humble opinion. She says that that's unacceptable. I accept that coming from someone like Madame Le Pen. I expect that coming from her. That's, of course, going to be her position on it. The far left, uh, Jean Melancon, I believe his name is, which we'll talk about him here in a second. He's the the, the guy that runs the, uh, I believe it's the French Communist Party. He has even said that that's unacceptable. How can you say something like that? This is the English-speaking, yes, they have English-speaking networks here. This is the English-speaking French network, mainstream media, take it for what you will. But they're giving their take on what's, and the rest of this stuff is in French, so obviously no one's going to understand except for our French listeners. So this is France 24 talking about the uproar uh, and the disapproval in the French Assembly because of Macron's comments. Yes, there was uproar in the National Assembly last night over these remarks, and it continues today. Uh, the, the debate over the new vaccine pass was supposed to resume at 3 p.m., but it's still been delayed by many MPs who say that they want clarification over the president's remarks. They want the French Prime Minister, Jean Castex, to come and explain them. And to clarify the purpose of this health bill, this vaccine bill, um, they want to know that it's not the purpose is not to divide the French population and stigmatise a section of them, uh, namely the non-vaccinated, who make up just under 10% of the French population. Uh, Jean-Luc Mélenchon, leftist uh, presidential hopeful, hopeful, called this language appalling. Um, as uh, and He was joined on all over from across the political spectrum. On the right, we had Valérie Pécresse saying that the aim of the government should be to unite, not to insult the French population. The government, though, has doubled down on the remarks. Uh, it was, uh, Macron was defended by Castex in the Senate. He should be on, he's on his way soon to the National Assembly. Uh, but in the meantime, his, the, the government spokesperson also defended Macron's remarks and said that actually the people who were really making life difficult for everyone were the non-vaccinated. Uh, so we're waiting to hear what uh, Castex has to say. Some, some MPs here calling for an apology from the president for those remarks. Uh, they were very provocative at a time, four, four months before the presidential election. And indeed, as, he, as, as the government is pushing to, uh, make, to push through this bill through the National Assembly for the vaccine pass. 
Now, the bill that she's talking about that they're talking about ramming through is the uh, the vaccine pass. That's what's going to change into a digital pass on January 15th. So that's coming up 10 days from now. They would be the first country in the world to adopt such a thing, apart from China, of course. But this is unacceptable in in my in my opinion. You you just I'm sorry, you just what you you by decree, you come out and you declare that people that don't follow your your ridiculous edicts. You, you think that there's actually 5 million unvaxxed people in France? I don't believe that. I don't believe that for a minute. But to say that they, for standing up for themselves, or those that refuse to go out and get a booster, because quite frankly, you're not vaxxed now if you don't have a booster. You're now considered to be unvaxxed and you should have your citizenship stripped from you. Bruce, what do you think of that? Well, uh, this is not something that goes on in a Western uh, country. Uh, this isn't the Western world's way of doing things. This is not the democracy as much as I hate the word democracy, but that's kind of we, we have different forms of democracies in, in the Western world. That's not how it functions. If we're to use one of the examples here in the U.S., OK, if, if the president said that, that means that every single individual that has decided not to take the jab, no matter what their job vocation is, um, you could you could go down the line of saying that they're, you know, uh, extra useful to society, if you will, and they're firefighters or policemen or, or military or whatever, you know, the, the more respected, uh, whatever, however we do it in our social constructs and all of that. It doesn't matter. None of that matters. The, the, the point is, these are citizens. You don't lose your citizenship just because you're unwilling to take a experimental drug. That's not how this works. Which, by the um, way, just on a side note, uh, the French president, I, I'm not I'm not too familiar with the inner workings of the French system, but I did I did go in and look at this today. The French president doesn't have any authority to actually strip anyone from their citizenship. So uh, uh, I think this is the first we'll see how it goes and we'll see how they handle it. Uh, but I think this is the first, um, shall we say, blatant move of the um, well dictatorships of the West. Um, there's been a lot of other moves that they've done with the pandemic and everything and really have shown their, uh, well, they've taken the mask off and shown themselves. Um, we'll see what happens. Uh, this will be telling. Uh, I, I expect think, the French to, to respond to this, to, quite frankly. If if they've responded up to this point in uh, in every other respect, I expect, I expect there's going to be hell to pay for this one. Because you know what? The average French citizen, again, they're they're just like the Americans in a lot of respects and the Germans to a great extent. They're very slow to anger. The French are. The French just want to be left alone. <laughs> they want to be French. OK, that's that's like Fr France is like the redheaded stepchild of the West. <laughs> that's what they are. They're, they're like the redheaded stepchild of the West. You don't really get along with them, but you love them because they're family. You know what I mean? Yeah, that that's France. Yeah. You love them because they're family. That's the core of Western civilization. If it wasn't for France, all those listening in America, if it wasn't for France, we wouldn't be America. Keep that in yeah. mind. Keep that in mind. Yes, we give them a hard time about waving white flags and stuff all the time, whatever. But nonetheless, we wouldn't be where we are if it wasn't for the French. I will give them that. So we have deep ties that go back a very long way. And that is not forgotten by those of us that understand history. So I expect... The French, which, by the way, we get our rebellious streak from that, a lot of it. 
as in like the the protesting side of things. We get it from the French because they don't really get along with the English, right? The enemy of my enemy is my friend kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. But if you look at all the all the people that immigrated to the United States, they're all kind of rebellious peoples. Yeah. They're yeah, all well, kind of. Yeah. You know, that's they Yeah. Because, well, a core of, yeah, core of it was was uh, the Europeans. It, the, the core of the American immigration back in the uh, last century was the people that came from Europe, they got tired of this type of an attitude that Macron's doing. Yes. That's what it is. You know, okay, you don't want us here? Drop dead, we'll leave. And so they hopped on a steamship and they went to America with nothing, I might add. That's that's actually what, that's what actually... Uh, this, this whole pandemic, everything that's been going on over the last, well, really 20 years, that's what grinds my gears the most is all of these Western countries, they got out of this kind of system. The system that we're, we're, we're driving back towards, we're regressing back into is all the systems we progressed out of. It's not even, and I use the term progressed in the actual sense of it. We came from, those systems were corrupt. They were bad. I mean, they were not, as it was said. It was the old nobilities, the, you know, like the yeah. that, that type of system where you had like the landowners and, and no one owned yeah. anything except for a select few and you were living in squalor and, and you were living off pittance of whatever work you would do for what for whoever family and that was it. Yeah. You lived in poverty while the, the others, the oligarchs, the nobility, the they were the ones that lived in wealth and you were basically their slaves. Yeah. Stakeholders. Yeah. As, the, as we, they're termed now. Um, but we, we, we progress out of that in the very literal sense of the word. This is a more perfect system. It is not perfect, but it is a more perfect system than what we had before. And they're just wanting to go right back into the, 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 the broken system that it was. And the, the only people that can stop it, the only people that will have the capacity to stand up against this is us. And by us, I mean the 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 citizenry. We're the ones that have to pull the government back in and say, uh, you know, no, sit down. So we'll see. We'll see how it goes. We'll see. I expect uh, I expect the coming weekend in the country of France is going to be very um, colorful, shall we say? I mean, if they follow in um, if they follow in their footsteps from the past when they have a tyrant like this. Colorful is the correct word. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. OK. Um, did you hear about Kazakhstan? Yeah. I did. I, I I was hearing little bits and pieces of of what's coming out there. I haven't seen any of the footage or anything because you know their internet mm -hmm. shut down. But yeah, I got uh, some, yeah. but uh, it's not uh, it's not too much. So yeah, some of what I was seeing uh, with what was going on in Kazakhstan, they had uh, protesters um, take over some government buildings, the the uh, airport, and starts with an A. I don't remember what city it was. But this it's one of their Almaty. major cities. This is Almaty. Yeah, Almaty. That's what it was. And it looks here and like uh, this is the, okay. So this is the largest metropolis. It's basically it looks yeah. like it's spiraling out of control. They put a curfew in. They deployed military to stop the anti-government protests, but uh, it doesn't seem to be working. They've taken um, they've taken military hostages now, I believe, as in like the the people, the anti-government protesters. They've taken military hostages. Uh, and they have seized the government buildings. The government there has resigned. Uh, the president has not, uh, but the government, the, the main governmental body resigned uh, and walked out when the citizens walked in uh, to the buildings. They've shut all cell communications down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, they shut all mobile communications down, so all cell phones are down. They've shut the internet off, I believe. Uh, that's completely uh, that's completely shut down. 
and I believe that uh, they've also grabbed control of uh, police departments and, uh, well, clearly you can see what they're doing here to police cars. Uh, airports, yeah. you said. Uh, and yeah. they've they've killed I don't know how many people now. I know they've attacked. There's been at least, uh, at the time that I've seen the, the reports on it, uh, 500 civilians were injured by these mobs and a bunch of businesses were torched as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm all for overthrowing tyrannical governments and, you know, going after government officials uh, as the, the target. But when you start going after the citizenry and and uh, businesses and that kind of stuff, that's when we kind of have a problem. Uh, not really kind of. We, we have a problem. Uh-huh. So and you can clearly see here I'm, the military surrendering to the to the angry mob with the pipes. Yeah. It, it, I don't, so we don't have a lot of information on this one. It, on the surface, it looks like it could be something that was, uh, civil society 2.0 or Soros funded or something like it that. Does. We, we it does. We don't have a whole lot. The, the only reason I say that is because look at the tactics, the agitation, and then the retreat. It's all the same. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like, it's almost like yeah. the, the Antifa type training. Yeah. And honestly, to be fair, um, uh, seeing, Seeing the military or or law enforcement go in and and they're beating people, uh, the protesters. Uh, uh, that's not the way yeah. government's supposed to function. Yeah, I mean, I, I almost I, for a second there, I thought that this was Amsterdam. Yeah, but nonetheless, um, what's going on there is, as you said, it, it's almost like it's it's almost like there's something else going on. Now we know that there yeah. is a uh, there's a shall we say a tension between the U.S., Russia, and China. We know that. The NATO people have been saying, oh, the Russians are building up all this stuff on the border of Ukraine. Where? Where? These are the same people that are telling you the hospitals are overflowing with people. If Russia's building up on the Ukrainian border, don't you think that would be on every mainstream media network? Photos of it? Videos of it? Something? Don't you think the people in Ukraine would be putting that out saying, hey, wait a minute, we're trying to join NATO and we've got Russia that are building right up on our border. Don't you think that they would say something to the world about that? But they're not. Now, I don't know what's going on over there. But I'm just saying, these are the same people that are telling us about everything that we should be doing with COVID. They're the same ones. Kazakhstan has a cozy relationship with China and Russia. If the US or shall we just say the West in general, if they're looking to overthrow something and stir up a conflict in there, in the middle of all that, well, then that would be the good place to do it, wouldn't it? I mean, we already know that you've got proxy wars that are going on in the Kashmir, in the Punjab, and in Afghanistan. We, we know that they've already got proxies going on with different groups there. They've got the, uh, uh, I can't remember what the group was, but it was the one that fled to that northern territory in, uh, in Afghanistan. And then you've got another group, uh, the Liberation Front, that's now operating in the Punjab. And you've got another group that's operating by, I believe it's, uh, excuse me, that the, the, the left-wing group from China, the, that proxy group is the Liberation Front. They're operating out of I want to say it's I can't I, I get all this stuff confused. I want to say it's India, but then there's another group that the U.S. is operating that's in Pakistan, and China ha- now has a deal with Pakistan for their Belt and Road Initiative. So they've got all these little proxy wars going on everywhere because they're not involved in a kinetic war amongst themselves. So they're funding little proxy radical groups in there, radical proxy groups in there to do their bidding and cause problems in there. So why aren't they doing the same thing with this one? I, I'm just asking the question. It makes too much sense at this point. You've got the country's president or whatever. He said that, uh, let me see, he's requested to six former Soviet countries, including Russia and Belarus, for military assistance to quell the foreign aggression to the nation. This reeks of George Soros and the color revolution. This reeks of that. 
Yeah, and uh, bringing up Civil Society 2.0, that, that's literally what that uh, initiative policy um, was to train those people, or, or just people in general, outside of the U.S., it's to train them how to quote-unquote protest. Uh, uh, but we know what protest, what that translates to. It, it, it's supposed to teach them how to um, disrupt both uh, electro electronically, you know, using uh, uh, software and, and internet and, you know, those, those types of things. And it's also teaching them how to physically protest, how to... Basically, the... Um, you, you remember the um, Arab Spring... I do, yes. Civil Where society they overthrew Hosni Mubarak, yeah, who was our yeah. ally in Egypt. Yeah. 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 That was Civil Society 2.0 that, that did that. That that was many of these uprisings that we've seen um, that have benefited the US, it tracks back to Civil Society 2.0. A couple of things that are breaking here. State of emergency has just been declared throughout the entire territory of Kazakhstan, uh, as well as Italy. Italy has officially adopted a decree making COVID vaccination mandatory for citizens 50 years of age and older. You can't do that. <laughs> you like what? You think you can just pass some BS decree or or, or edict or law? hell, even a law, and say that you you're going to require somebody to take an an experimental injection? Drop dead. Drop dead. How are you going to enforce it? That's that's my first question. They're How not. are you going to enforce it? It's just it's it's a fear campaign. It's a fear porn campaign at this point. Like I, yeah. I'm, I'm asking the serious question. And I, I was asking this to somebody the other day because the, the <laughs> if it couldn't get any more crazy, the German health minister or whatever his whatever this guy's name is, uh, Lauterbach is his name. He says we cannot wait for compulsory. He said this last night. We cannot wait for compulsory vaccinations to become obsolete because we have a lot of infections. Omicron as a quote dirty vaccination is an alter is not an alternative to mandatory vaccinations. Meaning natural immunity is now going to take its course and their vaccine mandates will become irrelevant <laughs> is what he's saying. But then yeah. but then he he makes that statement. Okay, that was on German mainstream <laughs> television. He makes that statement and then the German uh whatever their uh what whatever it is that monitors like their uh intensive care units, they reported that the numbers have dropped significantly, meaning that their hospitals aren't in danger of being overrun or having any people that are vaxxed or unvaxxed that are even going into them. Yeah, um, Omicron is showing that, or Omicron if you're uh, Joe Biden, it does not cause as severe side effects like uh, the other variants. Um, it doesn't get into the respiratory system like the previous variants. This one stays in your throat. I think one of the more common ones is sore throat now, uh, side effects other than the, you know, the fever, fatigue, you know, the typical cold symptoms. Uh -huh. uh, so basically this is the cold more or less. Um, that, that's basically what this one is. And when you catch this one, you're gaining immunity to the previous variants and the newer variants. And according to, um, Malone and uh, McCullough, you're if you're confirmed to have had Alpha, Beta, Delta, any of those other variants, you have immunity to Omicron, the other variants that you didn't have, and probably the future ones as well, because you have a more robust immunity versus the vaccinations. 
vaccinations only protect you against one protein, whereas uh, natural immunity protects you against, what was it, like 27, 29, something like that? It, it's something a, like that, yeah. It's a much well, that, larger range. Well, no, let's see. That's that's all irrelevant now because now there's that super mutant killer variant that's got the 47 mutations or whatever it is now that they found in France. What, the flu Rona, is that what they're calling the, the so, next yeah. one? Or, yeah, flu, or is flu, that the flu Ron, and uh, Rona cor- together? I don't cor- know, corona, corona influence, whatever the hell it's called, where the merging of the two. And I saw yesterday. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah the flu Rona. There, that, that's the yeah, flu Rona. That's the one. I, I saw yeah. yesterday that they found the first confirmed patient that has contracted both the flu and coronavirus. The first one in the world. We've got one in LA now with flu Rona. Yeah, they have both the flu and coronavirus. That's uh, okay. My, my just, question is just use two masks. Should fix it, right? Yeah. Two masks. Just wear two masks, socially distance, wash your hands regularly. Yeah, clearly that's that's going to solve the problem. Scott Gottlieb um, was on uh, was on a was it ABC uh, when he said that? Was it yesterday when he said that? I don't know for sure. Here it is. I got it. I've been looking at pediatric hospitalizations at this record high and concerned about sending my son back into a preschool even with a mask on. What do you tell parents? Are cloth masks just not good enough anymore? Cloth masks aren't going to provide a lot of protection. That's the bottom line. This is an airborne illness. We now understand that. And a cloth mask uh-huh. is not going to protect you from a virus that spreads through airborne uh, transmission. It could protect better through droplet transmission, something like the flu, but not something like this coronavirus. We have to recognize this has not been a benign disease in young children. There's a perception that young children haven't been hit hard to date from coronavirus. That's just they not haven't. true. We've recorded more than 600 pediatric deaths from COVID over the last two years. To put that in no, perspective, no. we had one death from flu in the pediatric population last year and so far to this year. So over a period of time, we've done a very good job protecting children generally from respiratory infections. We've recorded more than 600 deaths from COVID against three deaths from flu. So this is affecting children and particularly young children. This new strain could have a predilection again for the upper airway, which could be a bigger challenge in young kids because of the way that it binds to um, the airway cells. In terms of going back to school, I think the prerogative clearly is to try to get schools reopen. We shouldn't be doing preemptive school closures, in my opinion, but there will be situations where we have reactive school closures when there are large outbreaks. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, right. Uh, And the Chicago teachers are not going to go back. They said they're not going to go back. We'll talk about that in a second. But uh, Dr. Uh, Dr. Scott Gottlieb, who was the former FDA commissioner who now sits on the board of Pfizer. I'm sure there's no conflict of interest there. 600. 600. 600. Yeah. Now, of COVID. I'm he didn't say with COVID. Bet. He said of COVID. Of COVID. Okay. So we'll, we'll say of COVID. All right. We'll, we'll assume. We'll, we'll assume that they died of COVID. Okay. 600. Do you know what it takes for uh, young children to die of COVID? They have to have comorbidities, which means they're either heavily obese, they have other defects that they were born with, or, you know, uh, child cancer, you know, those kind of things. They have to have things that are going to kill them anyway or shorten their lives heavily. And then coronavirus just exasperates those. I, I would actually like it to know if the good doctor here knows how many kids have died from the vaccine uh, or how many kids have had uh, irreparable damage done by the vaccine. And maybe maybe you should look at that um, and, and talk about that and how we shouldn't be vaccinating kids. That, that, honestly, that's very educational. The those those podcasts that um, Joe Rogan show uh, his podcast. If you go and watch those with uh, Malone and uh, McCullough, that's very educational. 
highly recommend you go and listen to those. It puts things into light and it explains why the vaccines are causing problems versus the virus. Because, um, you know, we, we did hear cases of, of people having myocarditis uh, from COVID. Uh, but uh, according to McCullough, uh, it is so severe, the COVID one, that they didn't treat it medically. There was no reason to treat it medically because that's just it, it was not severe at all. Whereas the vaccines, uh, the myocarditis that's caused by that is so severe that it's killing people. And it's also causing the the majority of them, and by majority, it's like 70-some percent of them, to require medical aid for the rest of their lives. I don't know. I, I, I kind of just, just on those standards alone, that, that makes it pretty clear that I have a better chance of having coronavirus and surviving than getting the vaccine. But uh, and so, you know, yeah. I, I often wonder uh, with with these people that are that are jabbed. OK, so the ones that have that have gone out and, and taken it. I was listening to what McCullough said about the people that have contacted him that said, what can I do because I'm going to lose my job? And I, I know people that are like that. I, I, I sat down and I talked to you about that one night, Bruce, about a friend of mine who's a federal contractor who says, look, I'm going to lose my job. He even sent me the, privately. He sent me the uh, uh, the letter that was sent around to all of their employees, an internal uh, memo that was sent around. And it was not very nice. Quite frankly, I think I would have walked after just reading that, let alone, you know, whatever mandate there would have been, because quite frankly, yeah. that's insulting. Yeah. That right there was pretty much just do what we're going to do or do what we're going to tell you to do or get out. Okay. I, I'm sorry. I'll, yeah. just, I'll leave. I, I don't need that. I, I don't need someone talking to me like that. But nonetheless, McCullough's response was a little bit better than what I would have given to somebody because, I mean, he's got a hell of a lot more credentials than I could ever think of. But uh, he says that he tells people, what does your social contract say? Does your social contract say one jab? Does it say two? Does it say five? Does it say 10? What do you think is going to happen? If you go out and you take the uh, the one or the two or, or whatever to keep your job and you do that now, what are the governments and the FDA bureaucracies that the rest of the world follow? What are they saying now? They're saying, oh, no, no, no. You got to have three or you're not vaccinated. So what do you think your employer is going to do now that made you take the first one? You're now going to have to take another one and another and another and another. What does your social contract say? Does that say did you when you signed up to work for that company? I don't care what company it is. Did you sign away your rights to bodily autonomy? No, you did not. And and uh, more more on that, uh, he, he also pointed out that when you do go and get this jab to, uh, you know, as part of this social contract, are you guaranteed that you will then retain your job for X amount of time? No, of course not. As you're saying, um, this is well, here, I'll give you this. We have the CDC now saying uh, this is their recommendations for people getting boosters. Uh, if you had the Pfizer uh, vaccine, Pfizer, uh, you, you, you need to have a booster five months later. Um, if you had the Moderna, that's six months. And you had the J&J, &J, that's two months. Um, each one of those was supposed to be, J&J uh, &J was supposed to be one and done. Uh, Pfizer and Moderna were supposed to be, you take the first one and then, you know, like a month later or whatever it is, or two weeks or whatever, you, you take the second one. And then you were supposed to be done. When did the this, you know, needing the booster? And, and as you said, it's going to continue. Other countries are three months. Israel's at four boosters now. Talking about a fifth now. I don't think so you've heard it that end? one yet. Yeah. Where's it end? Exactly. I said, what, what, what is it going to be? Four, five, six, seven, eight. Hell, 27. We heard on the we heard on the UK TV show, the, the this morning show, 
uh, this uh, the morning show. We heard on that today. Uh, well, four boosters, 27 boosters, doesn't matter. You should do them every eight weeks, right? <laughs> every eight weeks. Unbelievable. The Mayo Clinic, that's one of our top hospitals in the country uh, over there in the U.S. Uh, the Mayo Clinic, best doctors, nurses, nurse practitioners, uh, anesthesiologists. If you have your if, uh, if on your CV or your resume, whatever you call it, if you have the Mayo Clinic, if you did time at the Mayo Clinic, you'll get a job anywhere. If you have that on your resume, that will follow you for the rest of your life. That's how prestigious of an institution that is to work for. They are going to fire 700 employees for not following the vaccine mandate. They've said that they've got 99% of their staff uh, across all of the Mayo Clinic locations that have complied yeah, you see this complied complied with the required vaccination program, meaning they have been vaccinated or received medical or religious exemptions. That's according to their official statement. This means, and I'm still still quoting here, this means that approximately one percent of staff across all locations will be released from employment as a result of the required vaccination program. This is comparable to what other healthcare organizations have experienced in implementing similar vaccine requirement programs. Mm. Uh, what was it? Is it New Jersey or is it? Um, I think it's one of the states up in the Northeast. I don't remember which one specifically. They have a new policy now uh, because they did the same kind of policy here that they're wanting. They, they fired off people that wouldn't take the vaccine. Yeah. If you're an employee there and you have covid, uh, don't worry about it. Just wear a mask and, and go back to work. That's unbelievable. I didn't know that. That's that, yeah, that was they're, they're, that's my next question. That that is my next question. What if you're a person that goes out and, and takes it and then you get COVID? Are you left alone? That was going to be my next question. Are you left alone? Why? Because you you complied with the first one. Oh no, you need to get another booster because that's gonna that's gonna help uh, protect you from the next one and the next one and the next one and the next one. Uh, Mayo Clinic continues here in their statement. They say while Mayo Clinic is saddened, yeah, I'm sure they're really sad, saddened to lose valuable employees. We need to take all steps necessary to keep our patients, workforce, visitors, and communities safe. That's the usual talking point right there. If individuals released from employment choose to get vaccinated at a later date, the opportunity exists for them to apply and return to Mayo Clinic for future job openings. That sounds almost like Bill de Blasio, doesn't it? Now, uh, we're not going to fire you, but we're going to put you on paid leave. Now, if you want to step out, you want to make that correction... And then come back, all will be forgiven, right? All will be forgiven. It's kind of like being excommunicated from the Communist Party back in the old Soviet Union. If you screw up, yeah. you make the wrong decision, you go against the party, you're sent to Siberia <laughs> to luxury accommodations out there. And once you do, oh, I don't know, three to six months in some of the finest accommodations that the Soviet Union had to offer with some of the most exquisite cuisine and, and luxurious spas to visit in the frozen lands, then if you learn the error of your ways, comrade, then all would be forgiven. You'd be welcomed back into the fold. It's like nothing happened. It's like nothing happened. See, you just went on vacation for a little while. That's all you did. You went to think about your decisions. You know, it was all expenses paid at that. If you you went to think about your decisions and then reflect upon what you should do in the future if given another opportunity. And it was that simple. It was that simple. It's the same thing here, albeit you're literally playing Russian roulette. No pun intended there against the Russians. It, you're literally playing Russian roulette with your life with this one. You want to step out. You want to make that correction. You could then apply and return to the Mayo Clinic for future job openings. That's if you're still around. They forget to mention that little part right there. And then, of course, you know this is a talking point. Based on 
science and data, it's almost it, it's almost impossible to say that without laughing at this point. It is clear that vaccination keeps people out of the hospital and saves lives. That's true for everyone in our communities, and it's especially true for the many patients with serious or complex diseases who seek care at Mayo Clinic each day. Yeah, if you if you take the time to go and um, look at the uh, those podcasts that we mentioned earlier, um, you will you will know that um, if you've had COVID and you go and get one of these jabs, uh, you are even more likely, uh, four times more likely, as a matter of fact, to have uh, serious adverse effects from the vaccine. So if if I'm an employee there, which okay. Also, keep this in mind: people that went in for treatment because of COVID side effects, um, it's probably it, it's almost a guarantee that those staff uh, have been either exposed to and have immunity to already because of previous coronavirus exposures and genetics and you know all that stuff, uh, or they caught it themselves. That that's very likely in in our our medical uh, facilities. So you go in and get jabbed; it's more likely for you to now have side effects uh, and potentially not be able to work again. I mean, yeah, they, they, they talk about what the treatment for myocarditis is. Um, basically, the recovery period is you do absolutely nothing. Six weeks, I believe is what he said. Six weeks, no physical activity whatsoever, as in nothing outside of just walking to get something and then going back and sitting down. It's literally yeah, that. Just, yeah. And, you know, no, no excitement. No, you know, don't you, you, mm-hmm. you don't do anything to get your heart rate up, basically, is what it nothing. is. Absolutely nothing. Yeah. You can do nothing. Um, OK, so that's the Mayo Clinic. Chicago teachers have voted to return to remote learning because of COVID-19 surges. See, they're not going to go back. Uh, they, they don't feel safe. Of course, I'm sure all of them have been jabbed. But they say because of surges in the uh, to record levels in the Omicron variant, they're not going to return to uh, to the schools. You know what? I have a simple solution to this. Well, first and foremost, let's look at what the problem is. The problem is the teachers unions. The fact that you're allowed to vote on this, that's your problem. That's your first problem. The second problem, the teachers. You don't get your ass back into the school building on Monday. You're fired. Period. That's the end of it. Go to work. Yeah. yeah. Is that a is Illinois a, a right to work state? I honestly don't know. Uh, whatever. Whatever's a heavily. Uh, it's a Democrat run state. Uh, so I'm whatever they follow as the party line. That's what they do there. So if they're for right to work, then they'll go with it. If they're not, then no. And I would imagine I would say no. Yeah. Um, the the reason I ask that is if you're right to work and you're. Uh, union says we're not going to do this. We're striking. If you're if you're part of the union, you and you go, uh, yeah, no, I actually want to go into work. You can go into work, and the union can't stop you. Whereas if you don't have that, the union could technically stop you. But but these these things. Do, do you remember? I believe it, I want to say it was the Chicago City Schools, but I can't I can't remember if that's indeed what it was. I want to say it was the Chicago City Schools. They did that ridiculous interpretive dance video about how they're not going to go back until there's a vaccine. Do you remember that last year? They said, oh, no, we're not going back until uh, everybody gets vaccinated uh, and we have safety protocols in place. We're we're not going back until that. Okay, you got one. Hell, you've got two or three of them. Go back. They actually just there was a bill last year that was uh, to get rid of the right to work. And it basically empowered unions. I don't know if it passed, though. Well, if it's a Democrat run state and Senate and House and all the rest of it, I would imagine that it's yeah, it probably did pass. But uh, nonetheless, 
73% of the union members have called for no in-class learning until cases substantially subside. What does that mean? Is that going by uh, Fauci standards? Because if that means, if that's the case, then that means you'll never go back. They also say that uh, they will not go back until union leaders approve an agreement for safety protocols within the entire district of Chicago. Uh, I'm sorry, go back to work or don't come back. It's that simple. They aren't. They they don't have a. a they don't have not a right to work. Yeah, anymore. I didn't think yeah. so. Yeah, I wouldn't think so. It used that, to be, but now it's not. Yeah, yeah. Being a being a Democrat run state, I can't imagine it would be. Speaking of a Democrat run state, Ralph Northam wasn't he the former governor of Virginia? Why is he speaking? Why why, why is he speaking? What is he running for senator or something? Is he running for a senate seat? Senator Tim Kaine. Who was? Does anybody remember Tim Kaine? Tim Kaine was supposed to be the running mate of Hillary Clinton. Boy, that guy was worse than her. Can you imagine having him in there as a VP? Oh my God, that'd be worse. I mean, you'd be begging to keep Kamala in there if you had Tim Kaine up there on stage. I'm telling you, Tim Kaine, man, that guy's terrible. Senator Tim Kaine from a uh, Democrat from the state of Virginia. He was among the drivers who were stranded on I-95 for hours, <laughs> which I don't mean to laugh at the poor man's misfortune, but um, it couldn't have happened to a better senator <laughs> next to possibly Lindsey Graham or uh, or Mitch McConnell, maybe Schumer, maybe Schumer. But um, uh, true. Yeah. Virginia Governor uh, Ralph Northam took heat on Wednesday after blaming thousands of drivers for being on the road only to be left stranded on Interstate 95 due to heavy snowfall that crippled the snow crews from being able to move. See, he was blaming the drivers. That's what the problem was. It was the drivers. He says, we gave warnings and people need to pay attention to these warnings. The less people that are on the highways when these storms hit, the better. People need to work. People need to eat. Um, that is an absolute... It, 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 it's standard fare for the current government. The current administration, this is standard fare. It is not the fault of the government or any of the officials. It's the fault you. You're the fault or business. You or business. That, that, those are the two faults. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Government can do no wrong, Bruce. What's wrong with you? No. Government can do no wrong. Yeah. You see, it's, the, they, it's yeah. the person's fault. Do you know what? I grew up in Ohio. Okay, I, I'm no stranger to snowstorms. Bruce, you've been in Colorado. You've been all throughout the Midwest, over into Missouri and the Ozarks and all that stuff. You're no stranger to snowstorms either. We know how to drive in these things. And ice. Yeah, we know how to drive yeah. in these things. The people up and down the East Coast don't deal with that a lot of the times. Virginia, yeah, they do deal with with uh, heavy snowfall in certain parts of that state, for sure. But uh, I don't blame the uh, the average person that's out there on the highway. And I'll tell you why, because they don't know how to drive uh, in that kind of weather. I don't blame them. Though I say that I, I learned how to drive, I learned how to drive in the southern part of Ohio, where we have the country back roads that don't get touched for, oh, I don't know, two and a half weeks, that kind of stuff. You need a four-wheel drive truck or whatever. You come out of your house after it's been snowing all night, the next morning when it's still dark out, and you're shoveling your driveway and you're shoveling that snow into the bed of your truck. So you have the extra weight in the back of your truck to get the grip when you're going down the road. <laughs> That's what you do. But when I went to the city, when I went to Columbus... Man, people up there don't know how to drive. They turn their steering wheels up there. They panic. And that's that's any time of the year when you get a half an inch. And I'm, I'm serious. When you get a half an inch of snow in a major metropolitan area or on a major interstate, traffic shuts down. It completely shuts down everywhere. And that's a half an inch. If you get two to four inches dumped on it, you might as well just forget about it for the next 24 hours. Traffic's not moving. You're going to be stuck there. Pull out a blanket. You're sleeping. That's what it is. You better hope you got a full tank of gas. Yep. It's the people's fault. You hear this? 
It's the people's fault. Of course, Kamala Harris, she says, with I-95 being jammed up, she says that that's okay. America's moving again. <laughs> America's moving again. Right as the I-95 crisis happened all up and down the East Coast. That, that highway, for those that don't know that are not in the U.S., the I-95, it runs all the way up and down, like all the way up through into like New York and <laughs> everything back down through like through D.C. That's the road that everybody takes. That's the road. If you're if you're a working person, you're working in Virginia, you're working in D.C., you're working in uh, uh, in Baltimore, you're working up into uh, uh, parts of uh, Pennsylvania, New York. You are taking the I-95. Uh, I've been up and down that road many, many times. You're going all the way up into like Massachusetts and Connecticut. You're on 95. It, it basically it's a it's a interstate that runs from Florida to Maine. Like, yeah, pretty it, much it runs all yeah. through there. Yeah, it's yeah. it's like the main artery vein that yeah the artery that connects everything up the East Coast. So that's where everybody goes. Yeah, uh, Vice President Kamala Harris describes America as moving again as hundreds of drivers spent more than twenty four hours stuck on Virginia's I ninety five. I'm quoting here because of the bipartisan infrastructure law, America is moving again. That's what infrastructure is all about, getting people moving. <laughs> because you see, Bruce, because of the bipartisan infrastructure bill, that's that's what's got America moving, right? Everybody's moving, traffic's moving. You don't have to worry about being stuck somewhere. Yeah, it's because of government that everything's moving again. I would contend that getting government out of the way is what gets things moving again. That's what greases the skids. But this woman's terrible. She is absolutely terrible. Why on earth would you recruit this woman to be the VP of the United States? Why, why would you pick her? There are so many other people that you could have picked. She was polling 2%. We've talked about this before. She was polling 2% when she dropped out. She was the, like, what was it? The first or the second or something like that? She was first string to drop out of the yeah. uh, the presidential uh, debates or whatever it was on the Democrat side because not even her own party liked her. I could give you two good reasons as to why she's in that one of them's not family friendly and the other one's because she's black. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, there is that. So, yeah, that's there. Well, I guess right the third there. one as well. She's female as well. But that, not, that, yeah, yeah you can't you reason. can't say anything about it because she's a woman of color. So, yeah, you can't you can't say anything on it. But she's not accepted by the, the voting base. She's not accepted by them. She wasn't accepted by them before she even got tapped to go in to the VP slot. She got rejected by the voter base at the Democrat side before that. As I said, she was polling at 2%. But now her own staffers are starting to walk. She's lost her third staff in as many weeks now, I think. So another one walked because uh, they're uh, they're reporting that the, uh, the office of the vice president is, um, in their words, is dysfunctional. Never could have seen that one coming. It's dysfunctional. Uh, th th this woman can't even come up with a good excuse somewhere. I mean, when she sits down in front of mainstream news cameras and she's asked the question, have you been to the border? She was the border czar, right? And we had, what, a million people literally coming down to the southern border and, and jumping across the border. And she was asked, are you going to the border? And she says, well, I've been to Europe. What kind of an answer is that? What the hell? Even if you're even if you're a politician that's trying to come up with some ridiculous excuse and talk around something and not answer a question, that's probably the worst one you can come up with. A and the third, cackling. Yeah. And the cat. Oh, man, that's just that is hideous, isn't it? The cackling. I can't stand <laughs> yes. it. So Somebody asked her about uh, about like uh, Delta. Uh, she was on a tarmac or something. And somebody was asking her about like Delta hospitalizations or something. And she just started laughing hysterically yeah. with that stupid cackle like she's some uh, 13 year old high school, whatever, walking around in the hallways like she's trying to be popular and trying to fit in. That's what she reminds me of. Is that right there? 
Uh, a third aide to uh, VP Kamala Harris is heading for the exit amid claims of dysfunction within the office. Vincent Evans, who was the deputy director of public engagement and intergovernmental affairs. What the hell kind of a job title is that? Has quit to take on a new job at Capitol Hill, uh, according to CNBC. He left to join Congress- the Congressional Black Caucus, which is headed by Representative Joyce Beatty. Uh, who's a Democrat from Ohio, which certainly appears to be less uh, than a lateral move. That is kind of a step down, I have to admit. I mean, that's not exactly a, that's that's almost like the job that you would take just saying, look, I, I, I'm just going to go to the Hill and I'm going to see if there's anything that's open for me over there. And I'm going to take the first thing <laughs> that comes up. I mean, well, OK, first, you got you to gotta keep in mind, your resume states that you were an aide to Kamala Harris. Yeah. There's not really. I mean, there's not I know much is going to get you on that one, yeah. But there's not. No, no. You're, you're not going to get there. You're not going to get far on that one. I mean, you know, fry no. cook maybe, burger flipper. Or something, yeah, something yeah, like yeah, yeah. So the the fact that they 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 step down, it also shows the dysfunction that's there. It does. It does. The person that left, uh, Vincent Evans, he says that he reports uh, that uh, Harris is a bully who levels soul-destroying criticism in a highly dysfunctional office. Last month, her spokeswoman, Simone Sanders, and her communications director, Ashley uh, Ettentine or something like that, Ettenine, uh, left Harris's office. Ettenine's an exit announcement came on the heels of devastating USA Today Suffolk University uh, polling that showed that Harris earned a dismal 28% approval rating. 28%? Really? You're you're giving that a lot of credit, aren't you? 28%. 10 points behind President Joe Biden. Yeah, really? Biden's polling at 38? That man's in the in the teens. Don't give me that. He's in the teens. Biden is apparently not too happy about Harris's numbers, uh, with one report saying that she's not even considered to be Biden's successor in the White House anymore, while another said the president is considering moving to moving her to the Supreme Court so he can pick a new VP who might have a chance to win in 2024. Is he not going to put her on the ticket? He has announced that he's going to run again. Yeah, so he's he's not going to pick her as the vice, is what it sounds like. But to be fair, I don't know that Biden's going to... Okay. If Biden makes it to 2024 and runs again, I'm that is a, uh, you know, as much as we've been um, hounding the medical field, the what? medical community, hold, hold on it, I, I, it, it, I'll applaud them if he makes it that far. And our, our, our medicine is, is capable of sustaining him cognitively till then. I think, first of all, you said cognitively, meaning he's got some type of cognitive understanding now. I think that you're you're misunderstanding, Bruce. You said that you're expecting him to to not make it to 2024. Is is that is that right? You're not expecting that, but you're forgetting he's literally just starting his his term now because this is the year 2020. Like we just came from 2019. This is now 2020, right? That's what year we're in. 2020 is that right? I mean, Biden said this last night. There's a lot of reason to be hopeful in 2020. Now, see, he he said that last night. So there's a lot of reason to be hopeful this year. Oh, that was just a rerun. That's all that was. It was just a rerun. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. This this was right at the end of the time where he was, the from the clip we played yesterday about him uh, saying, uh, take your kids to get vaccinated and don't put them around anybody except other vaccinated kids. Then he said that. There's a lot of reason to be hopeful in 2020. I, 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 I mean, I don't know what to say to that. I, Dude it, belongs in a funny president. farm. He belongs in a funny farm. He he doesn't belong in there making decisions. Well, I don't th- actually. I don't think he's making any decisions. I think all the second and third string uh, pencil neck academic hacks that they've brought in, they're the ones that are making the decisions in there, and that's why everything's a discombobulated mess. That's why 
Vincent Evans, who is the de- who was the deputy director of public engagement and intergovernmental affairs. Boy, that is one hell of a title, isn't it? What you you need you need special business cards to be able to put something that big on it. Both sides of the card. Both sides of the card. Yeah, you got to flip it around to see. Okay, well, boy, that's a long ass job title you got there. <laughs> yeah, but that's why everything's a mess. That's why he he's walking saying that uh, the office is a a dysfunctional uh, nightmare. Because you've got everybody in there that's fresh out of the universities that have been working, I I don't know, like aid jobs or something. They've been trying to make it on the DC sideshow scene for the last few years, and no one's ever given them the time of day because they're just absolute morons. So you steal an election and you come in, you've got nobody in the mainstream that's out there before Inauguration Day that wants to get anywhere near this criminal conspiracy that's taking place. You don't have anybody like Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren and, and all these people. You don't have anybody out there on the mainstream news networks when the election happened jockeying for cabinet positions. Didn't happen because no one wanted to get anywhere near this, this, uh, this hijack that happened. So you bring in all the fools that have been trying to make it there for the last few years as aides and and trying to worm their way up the political ladder somewhere. And you give them these top jobs someplace and they've screwed everything up. Just one man's opinion. Uh, the, I, I also have a little bit of a critique on uh, this individual with a the, with the long title. Perhaps give an example of what kind of bullying she was doing, because I'm not sure, I'm not convinced, shall we say. That the bullying that they're referencing is uh, as bad as they're saying. Well, at the same time, I I want to think that that person's leaving and the, the the two people that left before them. I want to think, and I don't know this. For, I don't know this for a fact. It's just pure speculation on my part. I want to think that they're not wrong based on her behavior. I'm uh, yeah. I'm not. I'm not doubting the fact that there that there is bullying going on and that but what I'm what I'm questioning is how severe is it really because everybody's taught to be a a victim and you have to find your victimhood so having Kamala bully you is she really bullying you like give us some details on it you know just kind of give us an example of it uh, to to see what the bullying really is is it really as bad as what what you're saying that or is it uh, is that the excuse, shall we say? There's really other stuff going on that you don't want to, uh, you know, I, get I Clinton on. I, I don't <laughs> I don't know uh, that that is a that is a very interesting point. But I have been uh, following and for anybody that doesn't, uh, if you want the inside juicy scoop on what's going on in the D.C. politique world. Uh, go f- if you're on Telegram, go follow Jack Posobiec's channel. He's got a lot of contacts inside of a lot of places in D.C. And. Uh, he's got some moles inside the White House. And you know what? I don't. I don't doubt that uh, because there's been problems in there for quite some time. I've heard some things from his statements over the last... And he's still on Twitter too. I don't know how that's possible, but uh, I've seen some... I, I don't know. I don't know how he's still on there. But I've seen some statements out of him regarding the administration in recent months saying that the two camps, as in the Biden and Harris camp, the two camps are not getting along. They're at war with each other, as in not just Harris and Biden themselves, but all of the aides and all of the uh, the directors and everybody around them. Those people in those camps don't get along either. That actually um, just a, a little bit of uh, to, to do equal skepticism. That does actually make me a little skeptical that he's still on Twitter. It kind of because I'm such a skeptic now, I'm kind of like, are you controlled opposition as well? Is that is that is that what's I going don't know. On? Uh, like, I, I honestly don't know. I don't know. Has he been banned? 
I, I'm pretty sure that he's still on there. He's still on Twitter, but I don't know if he's ever been banned or shadow banned or any of that. I will say or this. If he just I heard right people. I heard. I, I, OK, I'll, I'll tell you what. I heard a that, that I'm, I'm beginning to think it's a little bit more to the latter because I heard. I'll just put it this way. I heard a private investigator talking about it and they know Posobiec personally had dinner with him on several occasions, knows him really well professionally and, and all the rest of it. And I don't know the details. I can only go off of what this person said. I don't know the details. However, they said that there is a reason that he's still on there and others are not. And again, I, I, I'm just hearing this from this private investigator and nothing more who knows Pasovic personally. So maybe it is what you're saying. There, there's a reason that he's still there. And it's something that we don't know. It, yeah, it may not be anything nefarious at all, or it could be no. entirely nefarious. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, it, the problem is, is we don't know that that's so when, when you when you get into the realm of don't know, uh, that's when well, you it opens the you door have, to things like conspiracies and yeah, you know, those kind of things. Yeah, that's yeah, we, we don't want to go there. But um, you have to also remember that Posobiec is a former naval intelligence officer, so he knows the right people. He has a lot more connections than anybody else will ever have in the media. Uh, and he is in the media, uh, albeit it's the uh, it's the alternative media, but he is in the media. He knows the right people. And if he needs to know the right people, I think at Twitter, then he probably knows the right people at Twitter to stay on there. For whatever reason, I don't know. And maybe we won't know. The only thing I can say for certain is he's still on there for a reason. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's um, that's what it comes down to. Uh, and, it, you know, after... Uh 2020 and 2021 um i'm just skeptical of everything i was already skeptical beforehand and but now <laughs> yeah. it's just like the fact is i actually i heard him on tim uh tim pool's podcast one night he, he was on he was actually just on there again the other day they were talking about january 6th uh, but the time before that he was on and somebody said something to me about nancy pelosi and he says she does not want to go to war with me the connections i have she does not want to go to war with me <laughs> and you know what i take the man at his word on that i truly do i i take the man at his word on that yeah so maybe that's what it is. Maybe he just has those connections that um, they don't want to mess with him. Yeah, that, and that's that's what that's what happens when you get to that level in the uh, the intelligence world. Is once you get to a certain point, once you're in the intelligence world, you're always in the intelligence world, and you are an asset when you're called upon, retired or not. Uh, and that's the way that it is. All right, we are going to go ahead and call this one done. It's been a real pleasure to sit down and talk today, uh, as always. For anybody that has any feedback for us, please don't hesitate to send that to us. You can drop us a line at dynamicpodcast at protonmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Good, bad, ugly, all the rest of it. We do value your feedback, so uh, drop us a line if you like. Thank you for being here today, Bruce. Thank you to all of the listeners. Everyone have a great evening.